Hi, I'm Todd Francois. I'm, I'm uh, here for a book reveal with a Broner for the Broner Book Library and uh, I should say Broner Sports Library. And the uh, and the power of love. So, anyways, uh, this this book is uh, his life work by Chuck with Chuck Knoll. As a subject, it is by uh, Michael McCambridge, who also wrote the uh, history of the NFL. Um, 2016 is a copyright. It's 466 pages. So you probably can't get that done in one day. <laughs> the publisher is uh, University of Pittsburgh Press. And what, what's, the amount of text is containing an absolute powerful punch to a man who carried the NFL from the dynasty Cleveland Browns as a player. He was a, he was a guard, he was one of the messenger guards for uh, taking a place in Otto Graham. For Paul Brown, the coach, to being a coach who took the reign of a loser organization and transformed them to, to transform the Steeler organization to one of the uh, greatest dynasties in NFL history. Um, they won uh, five Super Bowls, I think. Four Super Bowls. Anyways, I'm sorry. It's a wonderful underlying story of a man who was able to keep his family out of the football side. And the story of a private family transformation into a galvanized golden story of Noel. Countless Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame members have come from the, uh, the roots of his past teaching intricacies of football. Canton and Tremont, Cambridge is a incredible research, research biographer to legendary author. You know, I just, I think I use that a little bit too much, but yeah, he's a legend. There's no doubt. And uh, no, and the Cambridge wrote a great book on him. And uh, this is an awesome book. And I give, I give it five stars all around. I really enjoyed reading this. Um, there's so many stories with this Pittsburgh team that if you can just get a hold of it and read the book, I'm going to be able to, I'm going to spotlight a couple of them here. Um, That's the thing about uh, Noel is that how much he was able to motivate motivate these guys, and you know he's he's one of the he's one of the uh, he's one of the coaches that should be on Mount Rushmore. You know I I, I say that and, you know, but the reality is that there should be about six of them up there. You know, Van and uh, Welsh and. Noel and Lombardi and um, Bud Grant and uh, but anyways, yeah, this is a quite uh, uh, quite the story and uh, you know it's he was team guy was coach for the Hall of Fame all famers of Swan Ham Stallworth Green. Bradshaw, Harris, Franco Harris, Mike Webster, 
and Jack Lambert. It's funny because, you know, there's Lambert and Nora the same, they had the same problem with their mouth and any teeth. <laughs> so they had to have a plate in there. And, uh, you know, this, this book is, this book is a five star in every category. This is, this is the uh, next biography Next biography brought to one book as a uh, culmination of interviews, periodic, periodicals, and looks of all literature published. This language, the language of the book is as so that means there are words in here that are sensitive. Um, just like any other football book, you know, there's, there's descriptions of, there's descriptions of the times and of the pain and, uh, and the injuries and the, and the swearing and, you know, there was a guy that, he didn't really communicate with his players very well. Verbally. And, um. My body language, they can find all that for sure. And, you know, it's just, he did the end really well because he, did, he was not their buddy. You know, a lot of coaches get in trouble nowadays for being the, their, their players' buddies. It doesn't work. And that's the thing, too, is that, you know, with Noah, it was the same thing with Noah. It was, he hardly said anything to his players. Players said, you know, I, I played for him for like six years or whatever, you know. And one of them said that, you know, he 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 did not say anything to me for six years, you know. And, and that was the thing, you know, with him because he kept his job out of his family life. You know, he was a great man with his family, and uh, even like some of his nieces came and lived with him for a while because of the household being so uh, stable and he, he would not talk anything to do with football at the dinner table it was all family talk you know what's going on at school and he would you know and, and he would talk about that he his book his niece got married he was the one that walked his niece up the aisle and you know it wasn't because he was a football coach he was famous there's another Hall of Famer said uh, Nolan is a Hall of Famer. But, uh, you know, and, and that was the thing is that he walked her, I'm sorry, there's a little ADHD going on today too. Um, he walked her up the aisle and she was the, the niece and she was so proud that he did that for her. And, and that was the thing, like I just said, he was, he needed something fixed or he did it himself. He was, he loved working out in the yard and stuff like that. You know, he, he loved to work with, uh, you know, he, li he liked working with uh, making power tools, making, making you know, carpenter style and stuff like that. But yeah, this guy was, he was totally, uh, he's totally, he was so, so well-rounded individual. Uh, 
you know, and, and the, you know, and, and I like the part that, uh, you know, you know, I got questions on here for it too, so I'm, I'm stumbling and trying to get my thoughts together here. Uh, and I'll answer the questions, but I just wanted to let you go. It's just a little bit easier for me to talk about this this way. You know, how is a blue collar coach with fire able to be a part of, it would be a part of two dynamic dynasties. Um, the answer is work. You know, in title of a book is, you know, title of the book explains it really well is uh, uh yeah I forgot it <laughs> is life worse that's the title of the book <laughs> but uh it's just that his life works um that's a tough one for me tongue tied me but that's the thing is is that you know some of these guys that came to him, some of these guys he coached under were absolute brilliant geniuses. You know, he coached under Shula, he coached under the offensive genius from the NFL to the AFL. And he, he won a couple titles. Uh, Sid Gilman, you know, and some of the players that he played for him were the, uh, for the Chargers is, uh, Tobin Rowe, John, John Hado, Paul Wolf, and uh, Keith Lincoln. Ron Nix was the center on that San Diego team, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Old guys are in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, and, and they always had a tough defense. You know, no the defense coach. Wow. Um, you know, because he was. He played guard, but he was an, he was a very good uh, linebacker at Dayton University. And I think Dayton, Ohio, I, I know him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's amazing that he, what he did with that, what he did with that organization, it was a losing organization. And they were always, they were always in the bottom of the division except for a couple rare times. And uh, the Steelers organization had a bad luck with uh, being, being, they had bad coaches. Walt Kiesling was one that I can think of. And uh, and the other one was uh, Kent Austin, who came from the Packers. Uh, he was Lombardi's uh, right-hand man for a while. Bill Austin, I'm sorry. I can try my off a lot, so I'll put there with me. Um, but yeah, that's a, uh, what happened was three quarterbacks that he uh, mentored, or that he, I'm sorry, they didn't, he mentored, was, uh, that's not right. So the three quarterbacks that came to him, came, I'm sorry, came to that team or an organization, Three teams, no, I'm sorry, three quarterbacks were John Hale, 
Lenny Dawson. John Eagle's not right. I'm sorry. John, Lenny Dawson. Johnny Unitas, that's what I was trying to say. And, uh, Bobby Lane. And, uh, they were... They had problems with, uh, with the organization. United's got caught. Lenny Dawson got sent packing. Um, Bobby Lane got sent packing. These guys were, these guys were, like, Johnny Unitas and Len Dawson were there for training camp only, they got caught. Um, they said Unitas hardly had any, United didn't even throw a pass in training camp. And, uh, you know, they just threw on the, uh, they waved them, they didn't even give them a chance. They didn't even give them a chance. The golden arm of football, they didn't even give them a chance. And, uh, you know, United was such a, such a great quarterback. He's one of the, obviously he's one of the greatest of all time. You got Lenny Dawson too, went into the Hall of Fame because he was the, uh, he was the man who steered the ship for those, uh, for those Chiefs. He also played, he played one year with the Titans Stones, so he was in that chief organization for a long time. Um, you know, they, they had some, uh, they had some good players, you know, they, he got, he had to trade, uh, Roy Jefferson. Roy Jefferson was, was a problem for him. And, uh, he was a, he was a disruption to that team and to the cancer of the locker room. And that was the first, one of the first things he had to do was get rid of, get, like, trade Jefferson to the, uh, Redskins. And, you know, that was like, I think that was 1970. So that was like, down the road before he, uh, anyways, that was one of his, I'm sorry, I was right. That's one of his first things he did is get rid of like Roy Jefferson. Um, what happened too with the, uh, with the running back situation too, is it was awful, it was pathetic. They drafted, uh, Franco Harris, and that's, I believe it was the second round, and I believe it was 19, uh, 1971. And uh, 7172. And, you know, Franco was all in Penn State. And, you know, he, he had a running mate named Lydell Mitchell, too, who went on to be all pro of the Colts. You know, and he played under, uh, he played under Paterno. You know, Turner had, uh, had some bad, uh, did some bad things. And, uh, you know, later in life, but he was a great football coach. No one can take that away from him. Um, but yeah, this, this is a, uh, this book really goes into the description of all these guys. And, uh, you know, another thing too, is that I'm going to go through some of these guys, but, uh, Bill Nunn was a legend, a legendary scout. And I just come across too, is that they should have him in the hall of fame for what he did. Uh, he promoted, he promoted the, uh, Small town, small town colleges that the black all American team. They developed, he found uh, Stallworth, he found Frank, uh, Frank Lewis, he found Joe Green. Like me, Joe Green was the number one selection in 1969. Well, I think it was like 69, and Noel had picked him in the uh, first, first round, first pick. You know, I was like, what are you doing that for? 
they found out he was a he was dino. He was incredibly strong. He had it all going for him. Um, you know, it's like he could. He would. They put him in Oklahoma drill, and he just blow the drill off. No one could stop. That was the thing, you know. And you got uh, Mel Blount, who was one of the greatest cornerbacks ever, and he was the he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1989. Uh, he he was incredible. You know, he's inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1989 with Terry Bradshaw, and you know it's 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 fun to it's fun to go back and watch the uh, highlights of these guys, you know. And and the thing too was that you know, like I said, he developed uh, Stallworth, and he knew, he got uh, Lynn Swan, but Stallworth is from Alabama and I'm at Blake, and I don't even know if that's college. Is. Probably changed names, but uh, they, you know, that, that was the, that was the thing about this guy. Nice, I believe Nice Shell was from a small, small South School too, and uh, you know, there's a pipeline that they had going for uh, small town, uh, small college black players, and you know, they're all American. And I think he, he trusted none so much. He just looked at. He didn't even go see him face to face. He just looked at the uh, All American list. That's the that he had, and that uh, none told him that he should pick this guy. And you know, and, and what happened was this guy became All Pro and in the Hall of Fame. Like uh, you know, Stallworth went in the Hall of Fame too. Um, like Joe Green went in the Hall of Fame. Joe Green's the one too. Is I don't know if you, if you're a little bit older, you probably remember this, but he. Uh, he was in one of the great commercials that I absolutely loved, and for Coca-Cola, he uh, he comes out of the tunnel, and there's this kid that says to him, "Joe, Joe," and uh, you know he had a he took his jersey off and gave it to the kid as you know as a paint as a trade for it. He had a bottle of he had a bottle of Coke. <laughs> And you know you can hear a cap, and you can hear the, the twist of the cap and everything. And it's this guy. It was a great commercial because he says he takes a jet, he takes his, I think he takes his uniform off, and he says, "Hey kid," he tosses him a jersey. Thanks for the coke or whatever, and uh, bottle of coke. But anyways, that was the thing is that you know it, it's fun to look at that stuff in the past, but it just seems like it was just yesterday for me. Um, because of how much, of how fun it was to watch these guys. And, you know, that was the thing too, is that they had rivalries. They had rivalries with Oakland, and every, for like about seven years, they they're playing each other to go to the Super Bowl. Or if they didn't, you know, and they, they can, they've had some season battles too with them. And, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the battles was that George Atkinson was the uh, safety back then, and Jack Tatum. It beat the hell out of these steel receivers. They'd come across the middle, and, and they would uh, close on this. Uh, they would come straight. Excuse me, they're going So what happened was they would close on these guys, and it would close on as they stick their forearm, they stick their whole arm out. And put it right underneath their neck, put it right underneath their chin, and pop. And you know, Swan had multiple concussions because of these guys. 
and they had to, and then what happened was, uh, I think it's called criminal intent, but Noel had no one to the, uh, no one to, uh, No one to the commissioner of the NFL, Pete Rosell, and he uh, they tried to get these guys kicked out of the league, but it didn't work too good. But it was just a, it was it was just nasty what they were doing, you know. And they were doing it on one of the games in 1975 was played on a, on a frozen field, and they would were hitting them like that, and they'd fall down and hit their head, um, you know. And it was just it's nasty. But that was Oakland back then, though. They were, uh, that was their game. That was, that was how they won games. You know, they're tough, tough. And, uh, you know, they looked at, you know, and they're, they, they went over, they went overboard, you know. But reality is, too, is they went to the Super Bowl in 76 and put on the Elvis show, beating uh, Minnesota 32 to 14. But that was the thing, is that, it, it, that was the thing back then was, that was when Pittsburgh was playing them. Pittsburgh played them, Pittsburgh beat them numerous times um, in a lot of great games. And that's the thing is, Noel will go through these games and the awesome McCambers will go through the games about Nolan. That was big and the big games. And uh, and that was the thing is that with him, with Noel was the coach and the uh, you was going to steer the ship, like I said before. I go back to the old story. The old Steelers were around for a long time. I mean, I think they came to be in 1930 something, and uh, you know, it was a, that organization went through hell. You know, they had a great, a wonderful owner named Art Milley, a very, very nice guy, and he wanted money. And he wanted he wanted a pot at the uh, a pot of money at the. Uh, as a horse racers, and he went back and he, he bought the uh, Steelers. He started the Steelers from scratch. And, uh, you know, and it came to be that. And they, yeah, they Mac only resung. I'm skipping here. And they skipped forward on this because of uh, Rooney. He was, he was, uh, he was in the show. He was at the, uh, obviously, he was at the Mac on reception game against Oakland. In 1972, when Franco caught that pass uh, on a deflection or no deflection, they still I think they're still trying to figure it out and picked the ball up off, to, off the turf. Basically, it wasn't on the turf, but it was just off the turf, and he took it all the way for a touchdown um, in the last seconds of the game. And Noah's obviously Noah's incredibly happy, but uh, the thing I'm just trying to say is that. Rooney had taken off. He was going down the locker room to console the losing team to uh, let them know how go how great of a season they had. And when he got down, he heard this roar of people. He roared of the crowd. He couldn't figure out what was going on. So all these guys are coming in the locker room. They had one coming in the locker room, all giddy and all happy, and he couldn't figure out what the hell happened. So they had to inform him that you know they didn't have t- didn't have much for tv back then so it was like they had a tv in the locker room um but he then they had so they told him about the about the game about what had happened what he had missed and he's you know and <laughs> what a wonderful story you know and rooney was just great and he had rooney also had 
brought his kids in the organization too. He brought in uh, Art Rooney Jr., who helped uh, was signed a lot of these guys and was the uh, helped be the uh, and he was he was Bill Nunn's uh, buddy too. That's who Bill Nunn was working through was uh, Art Rooney. And the thing too was that uh, his son Dan Dan Rooney was uh, the was also very strong in the organization and. Uh, and the thing was, was that it's just, just a wonderful story. I just, I want people to go through and read this book. You know, it's, like I said, it's 466 pages, but every page would seem to me that they had a powerful punch to them. Um, so, uh, so incredibly uh, described the descriptions that the Cambridge had, you know, this wonderful team. And, and you know, and the thing was too, is that, you know, he goes through, I don't, I'm not sure if you guys remember this or not, but Jefferson's, Jefferson, uh, Joel Gilliam, they call him Jefferson Street, Joel Gilliam. And Gilliam could throw the ball, could throw the ball at 90 yards in the air. And uh, he's incredibly gifted, with incredibly talented player. Um, he was from Tennessee State, another small town black school that Bill Nunn found this guy. Problem was, was he Joe Gilman had a pretty pretty good rookie year, but when he but in his second year he started doing drugs, and uh, he he, uh, he was just having a I think he, I'm pretty sure he's doing like coke and some heroin I, I believe for his drug of choice, and uh, he ended up he's missing meetings he's sleeping during the meetings he can't he's trying to play. Uh, trying to do a good job playing, but the problem was he was on drugs, he was high all he was high in the games and everything and, and he, you know, it just eroded his skills. And they had to they had to do they had to cut him, but it was three years later. And uh, you know, this is one that Terry Terry Bradshaw was developing as a quarterback too back then. And, but he was he was number three at times because uh Hanreddy and uh Terry Hanreddy and uh Jefferson Street and Joe Gilliam were ahead of him. And uh, that was the thing is that, you know, that's how Pittsburgh was struggling back then too because they didn't have a solid quarterback. But they were still, still because of their defense, they were able to go to the, uh, they went to the 1974 Super Bowl. And uh, there's another thing too is Dwight White was another one of those guys. L.C. Greenwood was another one of those guys that none had, re- that none had scouted and signed. And, uh, the amazing thing was is that Dwight White had a fever of like 104 and he was in the hospital and were, the Steelers were in the preparation to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, 140 degree fever and he was in the hospital and he took off out of the hospital because he wanted he had to go play the game. It's an incredible story. And uh when he got to the uh when he got to this the stadium, nobody could believe he was there. And, you know, the thing was is that you know, he had ripped his IVs out of his arm. And he took off and he grabbed a cab and he grabbed a cab and uh, and he was in. He was in the, the game was in. The game was at uh, Tulane Stadium, I believe. And he went to, took a cab over there to the locker room and he just wanted to. Do, uh, they said, "Yeah, hey, just put your jersey on. We may, you know, go watch the game." And uh, and he ended up starting. The game. He played the whole game, and he had a hell of a game. 
he's very, very productive. He had that 103 gig fever he had in the morning, I think it was. <laughs> I still can't believe that. And that's what that's one of the all-time great stories of the NFL. When they beat Minnesota with Dwight White, I think he had a couple sacks, and he had a he was just a monster in the line of the Steel Curtain, and uh, Steel Curtain was one of the famous was the name of their front four: L.C. Uh, Greenwood, Dwight White, Joe Green, and uh, anyway, I'll let you guys go look up the fourth one. <laughs> Oh, um, that was the thing, was is that you know it's it's amazing how much how much how they came to be, how the Steelers came to be, and how what what a wonderful story to the NFL. You know, and there's so many highlight tapes out there and still, and there's old games on YouTube, and you know, if you one of the best games I saw was that 1975 game on. They had they what too is there's a little story about that too. They they watered the uh, right. They watered the outer, uh, outer. They watered the uh, sidelines in the uh, outer part of the uh, field because Oakland had tremendous speed back then in their wide receivers, and so you know they wanted to keep the uh, game inside where they, where the Steelers could take advantage of the game. You know, the Steelers had two of that, final linebackers. Uh, Jack Lambert was a Hall of Famer. And uh, he had, he was a beautiful guy with false teeth. He had a beautiful guy with, he had his teeth all during the game. And, uh, you know, he was just one ugly SOB. And, you know, the-